This week is week two of the process. Um, the first week, even going before we started this last week, um, the, first week uh, the first week of youth group, we talked about um, testing ourselves and testing our faith, faiths, faiths. Everyone say faiths. Good. It's a tricky word to say. Yeah, it's okay. They make noise in there. Hey, just uh, FYI, uh, if you have your phone in the basket, which all of you do, uh, just turn on silent. Be cool. I like hearing it beep every now and then, but it's kind of weird. Um, so we talked about testing our faiths. Uh, we talked about four different types of, of people that would be in the room. Uh, the believers who uh, have committed their life to Christ and are moving in their faith. Um, there's the people who have committed their life to Christ and yet are stuck in the faith. And then there's the false convert who would be a person who maybe was at an event or something like that and went up to an altar call or something like that. Um, maybe said some words that resembled a prayer, um, but really there wasn't any true faith. There wasn't a, a true commitment that happened. And then there's the last group of people who are the people who have not yet committed their lives to Christ or do not yet believe in Him. And then last week we started the, this process um, series uh, where we talked about sin. We talked about our sin and, and uh, the origin of sin and how, where sin came from. We talked about how everyone sinned and how we can't earn heaven by ourselves. And it's, it's so important that we understand our sin and, and what that means for us so that we can understand how important what we're talking about tonight is. Um, so I just want to spend just a couple minutes and recap a little bit about our debt um, and what our debt is and what that means. So we're just going to kind of cruise through these slides. Nick, okay, you ready to hang with me? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we find out in this passage that every single person who's ever lived, minus Jesus, has sinned, uh, including you and I. Then we find out uh, again later on in Romans, in Romans 6.23, in the first half of that passage, we see, for the wages of sin is death. So we found out in Romans 3 that we've all messed up. And we find out in Romans 6 that because we've all messed up, we all deserve to die. We all deserve um, eternity in hell. That death isn't talking about our earthly death because we're all going to die our earthly death, but it's talking about the death that comes after our earthly death. That is uh, then being sent to hell. Um, this is our debt. This is a debt that we cannot pay. Uh, we owe our lives. Our life is the price that needs to be paid for the sins that we've committed regardless of what you've done. This is the wage of our sin is death. That's just kind of the way it is. It would be like almost, if you can think of it like this, um, maybe you kind of lose your mind for a second and you kill somebody, okay? Just walk, work with me here a little bit. Uh, obviously, if, when you were caught and when you were tried, you'd most likely be sentenced to, depending on what state you're in, either life in prison or to the death penalty to be killed. That's the price. That's what you owe for the, the sin, for the crime that you've committed. Now, imagine if you killed somebody, and are going through the sentencing process and everything like that. And you were sentenced to, to life in prison or death, um, depending on what state you're in. Um, so let's say you're kind of preparing yourself to spend the rest of your life in prison, or, or at, at the very least, or at the most, to have your life taken for the crime you committed. Then imagine at the last possible second that someone, just some random person, just steps in and takes your sentence dies in your place or takes life in prison for you so that you can be free, so that you don't have to be in prison, so that you don't have to die. They take that from you. They suffer the consequence for the crime that you've made, that you've committed. 
Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Can you imagine that? But it's kind of exactly what happened. You see in the second half of, of Romans 6, 23, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Actually, let's open up there with our Bible. Sorry, I didn't realize that you didn't have that. Open up to Romans 6, 23, please, because I'll need that later. I know I just spoiled it for you, what it says. Romans 6, 23, student spotlight. You can bring it back. In your, in your youth group that you have someday. It is dead and buried. <laughs> you signed a no-compete clause, though. It was in here, and you didn't even notice. Everybody there? Romans 6, 23. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans! That's New Testament, page 874. Is that true? No? Really? That was pretty close. Wow. I should get some prize. Oh, I can't, I can't hang that on my mantle. Romans 6.23, the second half, like I said before, says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our hope. This is the free gift that we have in and through Jesus. Let's talk a little bit about this free gift. What is this free gift? Why is this freaking out? Dina, it's not just you. I think it has a problem with, like, women hands. Yes, I've said that several times that I have women hands. I'd be willing to take on any one of you in a bigger hand contest and lose. Yeah, here, let's try it out. That's, uh, like, we're even. No, later. We can compare hand sizes later. I don't want to be embarrassed right now. I need Holy Spirit, you are welcome. This free gift, first and foremost, is a sacrifice. This free gift starts with a sacrifice. It starts with Jesus' sacrifice. I told you those were going to make a mess. Just not that way. Dude, did you catch that for real? Wow, Christian's my hero. That's true. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Paige. Paige wins. Thanks. Appreciate it. We're going to put this right down here in case I feel like slapping the table again. This free gift starts with a sacrifice. It starts with Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus started his ministry at age 30. He lived a life completely free of sin. He did miracles. He healed countless people. He fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. He rose people from the dead. He freed the demon-possessed. He preached incredible sermons and taught awesome teachings on the kingdom of God and how we're supposed to live our lives. But yet these things are only a part of his purpose. His purpose largely was to die for us. He knew it. He knew the whole time that that was his purpose, and, and he knew exactly how it was going to go down. 
He knew that a plan would be put in place to falsely accuse him of crimes he did not commit. He knew that he would be betrayed by one of his disciples. He knew that he would be questioned by the Jewish and Roman leadership. He knew that he would not necessarily be found guilty, but handed over to the Jews to be killed nonetheless. He knew that he would be whipped, that he would be mocked, that a crown of thorns would be driven into his head. He knew that he would have to carry his cross up to the place where he would hang and die while in immense pain and being brutally mocked by the people of the town. He knew that he would have his hands and his, his feet nailed to the cross. He knew that he would hang on that cross for several hours until he was dead. He knew it, and he did it. I mean, it's one thing to go through something like this and have no idea what's going to happen, but it's a whole other thing to go through something like this and to know it. And then it's another entirely different thing to know, to go through something like this, to know about it, and to have the power to stop it. Think about that. Jesus at any point could have been like, forget this mess. I'm out. Probably what I would have done. But I'm no Jesus. Not the first or last time I'll say that. He knew it, and he had the power to stop it, and he still did it. Why? Why didn't he change it? Why didn't he make it easier? Why did he die? Why did he have to do that? He died so that he could be our sacrifice. He lived that sinless life so that he could be worthy of taking our sins away from us. Only a perfect sacrifice could take the sins of the world, and that's exactly what he was. He was that perfect sacrifice. So this free gift is, first of all, a sacrifice. It's secondly, a gift. The reason he died, the reason he sacrificed himself was to be able to provide us that free gift. The gift is salvation, being saved from our punishment, our punishment being eternity in hell. Now, why does Romans, Paul, the, the writer of Romans, refer to this sacrifice as a gift? Think about it. Think about when you usually get a gift. Usually, what do you do to deserve that gift? Maybe it's your birthday and you were just simply born. Cheerio. Well done. Or maybe, actually, come to think of it, your mother should get a gift on your birthday. Shoot. Shoot. Okay, so Christmas. What did you do to deserve your gifts on Christmas? Jesus' birth? The point is that the very definition of a gift is something bestowed or acquired without any particular effort by the recipient or without it being earned. So a gift infers that we do absolutely nothing to deserve it. Sorry, I lost my spot. If you deserve a gift, it isn't really a gift. It's you're, you're being paid. It's payment. It's wages. So Romans, Paul, the writer of Romans, calls this amazing sacrifice a gift because we did nothing to deserve it. In fact, we keep doing things to undeserve it. Right? We keep sinning. We keep um, kind of mocking in it, Jesus just by the way we live. We keep disobeying by the things that we do. It's like we're almost trying as hard as we can sometimes to undeserve what Jesus did for us. But yet he did it. He still did it. He knew how everything was going to go down. He knew exactly how we were going to respond, that we were going to continue to sin, that we are going to continue to mock him, spit in his face. But he still did it. 
He still died. He still sacrificed himself for our sins and for our death. Debt. The last thing about this gift is that it's for free. It's for free. So we know it's a gift that we don't deserve it, but the, the first part of this says that it's free. And I think we all know what that means. Free means that it doesn't cost us anything. We don't have to do anything crazy. We don't have to pay any special price for this gift. It's given to us absolutely free. So now that we know about this free gift, how do we respond to it? What is this? I hate technology. What do we do? How do we respond? Romans 10, 9 through 10. I think you have to flip there. Yes, you do. Flip a couple pages to Romans 10, 9 through 10. Poor favor. Everybody there? Cool beans. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is it. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this is all we have to do to gain access to heaven for eternity, to have a relationship with the God of the universe. This is what you have to do. Why, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't a person want that? You don't have to really work for it. You don't really have to do anything intense. You do this. You confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. And then you go to heaven forever. You have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Why wouldn't you want that? But that's what this is all about, that it is completely 100% up to you. Nobody forces you to do this. It is absolutely a choice. And a choice that you can choose to make or not to make, but regardless, it's a choice that you have to make. I was talking to Nick. Nick came up after last week, and he asked a very good question that worked very well with tonight. So thank you for your question. He asked me, why did God put the tree in the garden that they couldn't eat? Why even put that tree there? Why give them that option? Simply put, so that we could have a choice. So that we could have free will. God didn't have to put that tree there. But think of what, what would have happened if God didn't put that tree there. Yeah, we would have lived in paradise. But what kind of love, what kind of affection would he have gotten from mankind without there being a choice? If the only choice was just following him, it's not really a choice. God only gets the love that he deserves from us if we choose it, if we choose to live for him, if we choose to believe in him. If we have no choice, then it's just this empty love. It's fake. It's not real. It's not genuine. It's a choice. So when it comes to confessing and believing, you can either choose to keep doing your thing. A lot, a lot of people really enjoy the sin that they're in. They like um, a lot of things that they have access to, a lot of maybe the, the bad that they do. They love it because it's fun. It brings joy. And we talked about that last week, how sin is appealing, how we like to sin. And that's kind of how it's set up. 
So that's a choice. You can make that choice to keep doing what you're doing. Or you can choose to believe, to change, and to live. To first choose to believe, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he did everything the Bible says he did, to believe that he died and that he rose again three days later. And if you believe that, and if you confess that with your mouth, Romans says, Paul says that you will be saved. The natural we believe that the next thing that happens is change. When we believe, when we commit our lives to Jesus, we're changed. It should affect us. It should change us. We can't really understand our sin and what Jesus did and believe that and go unchanged. How do you do that? How do you realize how terrible you are and what you deserve and how awesome Jesus is and what he did and not be changed? How do you do that? You can't. That knowledge changes us. And if you're the same today as when you didn't believe, if you call yourself a believer, then maybe something's off. Maybe something's wrong with the belief part, with your faith. And then after you believe, after you change, then you live. We've talked a lot in the past about knowing and doing. How our knowledge should lead us to move. It should lead us to act. If we sit here and if we say we're a Christian and you're not living like it, your fruit is not good, then maybe something is off with your faith. You need to backtrack to that belief step. We're changed because we recognize how, how much we need Jesus, how important he is, and because of what Jesus did for us. And that change provokes action. It should make us want to obey God because we realize how much uh, he, he loves us and how amazing it is, and we should want to obey him. It should make us want to go tell others about him, knowing what he did for, for me and for us and how little we deserve it. That should make us want to go tell others to save others because we know what Jesus says. We know that Jesus tells us several times to go be his witnesses. And we want to obey him. It should make us want to get closer and closer to him, to have more, a more intimate relationship with him and to continue pushing forward towards him in our relationship with him. It should just cause us to live differently. People should be able to tell your life should be changed and you should be living like it. I know as humans, a lot of times we, we're very selfish. We tend to look at things and make decisions based on how things affect us. So here you go. Why Jesus? Why take this step? Why dedicate your life to Jesus? First of all, because it will save your soul for eternity. I know this, uh, this is a difficult concept for us um, to grasp, especially you guys as teenagers who, um, you know, haven't lived a terribly long time. It's difficult to grasp this concept of eternity, and we will never get to a point in our lives, no matter how smart you are, where you can understand eternity and what that means. In eternity, there is no beginning. There is no end. It's just forever. Think about that. I mean, with us, we're born, and then we die. There's a beginning and the end. and everything we know, there's a beginning and the end. Some things live longer than others. Sorry, dinosaurs. But there's always a beginning and an end with us. But with eternity, it's forever. With God, it's forever. And that's what's at stake. In terms of eternity, our life is, is nothing. 
our lifetime, whether you live to be 20, hopefully that doesn't happen, or 120, it, it's nothing in terms of eternity. So that's reason number one. And reason number two is because you have access to a relationship with the creator of the universe. Think about what that means for a second. That the God, the God who is forever, that is all-powerful, that created everything, that God wants to have a relationship with you. I know sometimes maybe uh, you get just kind of, um, whatever the word is, just worn out with that phrase to have a relationship with God and what that means. But if you ask any mature believer who has dedicated their lives to Jesus, it really is a relationship with God. Just to know that he's there, that he cares about you, that changes everything. Several times, Dean and I have had this conversation where maybe we're going through something kind of difficult in our lives or we see other people going through something difficult in their lives and we just say, how, how do people who don't believe in Jesus, how do they live their lives? I mean, because there's so much crap around us and so much to, to worry about and so much trauma. How do people who don't believe in Jesus, where do they find their hope? How do they live? How do they go through these tough times and still move on? But as Christians, we have Jesus on our side, and we have that one who gives us hope to move on, to push forward, to go through that stuff, because we know at the other end of it, Jesus is there, and that he's helping us, he's pulling us along, and his plan um, and sovereignty is perfect. So I feel like those two reasons are good enough. Hopefully you agree. So what's your decision? Are you going to continue to go on with your life living for you, or are you going to start living for God? Are you going to continue to fight it? Or today will you decide that you believe in Jesus, what he did and who he was, and accept that free gift?